So that's it. You found the perfect keyword to attempt to rank for. You know if you get the top ranking, you'll get a bunch of money, gain followers, subscribers, and it's going to be a game changer for your business. But now what? That's what we're talking about in this episode. How do you take a keyword and put a content brief together so it's both great, high converting, and collects a bunch of links? Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. Just a quick reminder before we get started, Atari Hacker Pro, the launch is still going on. You can go and check it out on atarihacker.com slash pro. This, it's literally until tonight. So if you are downloading the podcast uh, on the day where we release it, it's still available. If not, it could be a while. Last time we launched it was like two years ago. So it could be a while. So please don't miss it because we're not going to extend the deadline. We don't do this kind of like fake, fake tactics, etc. Like we will close it and we will not reopen it for a while, especially with the holidays coming, etc. Definitely not until sometime next year, maybe spring or something like this. I'm not, I'm not too sure yet, but it's going to be a while. So atorihacker.com slash pro. And I also want to take a second to thank everyone that joined already. Like at the time at which we're recording, there's about 200 people that joined. Yeah, so far, really good feedback on the group, etc. Really happy to see everyone. Uh, and a lot of people who are doing really well, actually. I was quite impressed. What do you think, Mark, actually? Yeah, I was, uh, there's a couple of people in there posted their sort of welcome messages saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm making six figures. I have 10 sites, etc. And uh, it's just like, wow, that's, that's really cool. So yeah, big range of people in there and lots of cool people doing cool stuff. Yeah, so I think uh, things going to be good for the group. It's going to be good for the people who were here before. It's going to be good for the new people as well because there's a bunch of people that are in the same situation in the group. So it's going to be great. Now, stop the plug. Let's start talking about the topic of the podcast today, which is how to essentially brainstorm content, which is kind of like an inception thing because we brainstormed that episode the way we tell people how to brainstorm content. So that was a little bit of a weird one. I just want to add the idea for this show came about from the Authority Hacker Pro Facebook group. Someone today posted questioning why we use Dynalist as a tool for uh, creating content briefs and structuring our content. Why don't we just do it directly in Google Docs because the sharing's better, wouldn't it be easier? So it, it kind of got me thinking, why, well, why, why do we do that? And kind of the point of this, this podcast is to, to kind of get into it. But spoiler alert, we're, we're not changing to Google Docs or anything anytime soon. Dynalist is still the best for structuring and for planning for brainstorming the content. Of course, Google Docs is way better for actually writing and sharing the doc further on. We do use Google Docs. I mean, we create our content on Google Doc, but the planning is always on Dynalist. Like my Dynalist, I mean, you can see, people see it in the blueprints because I like show some stuff, like I actually brainstorm some stuff in Dynalist, etc. It's like, I have like thousands of Dynalist lists in there. It's crazy. Uh, it's Dynalist.io, by the way. It's 100% free. We're not selling you anything here. You can go and sign up for a free account. There is desktop apps. You can use it in your browser, whichever you prefer. It you know, saves automatically every time you write something. So you can always like close or like, you know, if your computer just switches off or something, everything is saved. To explain what it is though, it's essentially a list. Like you load up and you have a title and then you just have one bullet point and you can only write in bullet points. You can't do anything else. So the bullet points can be on like the first column or you can indent them as many times as you want. With each set of indented bullet points, you can collapse it, you can expand it, you can kind of zoom into just that subsection of the tree. And then you write 
a line or a sentence or a paragraph for in, in, in each one. And you can kind of move it around very, very quickly and very, very easily, something that's not quite so easy to do in, in Google Docs. And something about this format, I just find like the ideas are come out so much easier. It's because it's simplified, you know? There's no interface, there's no nothing. That's definitely definitely part of it. I also think it's because it forces you to run through this process where you're just getting your ideas around. You don't have to worry about all the detail or like exactly how you're going to word it or exactly what you're going to say. It's just what it's like what am I going to write about in this article and then like get the main kind of ideas down first and it's really just about collecting your ideas in in Dynalist and that stops you having to worry about filling in all, all of the detail, really. So I think that's that's why I like it. It also forces you to be concise, right? Because basically, if anything is more than one line, uh, I mean, two, three lines is okay, but anything more than that, it gets confusing and it's like not nice. And so it's forcing you to do that concise. And one of the biggest issue with content on the internet is the fluffiness, the sentences that add absolutely no value, uh, that just keep repeating the same stuff in a different way. And it's like, it's the plague of content on the internet. If that content was disappeared, it was uh, uh, deleted, then like, you know, 90% of the internet would be gone. And so the way you create content that like is a bit more impactful is actually by following and using this process. And we're going to talk about the steps in a second, but I just wanted to explain why this is good. That is going to force you to like be concise and essentially add information into each of your sentences because you are essentially going to write a quick bullet point for each point you're going to make. And then you're just going to write point one, point two, point three, point four, and it's very easy to write, right? So I think that's that's the power of this. This plus the simplicity. Uh, you know, one thing I've started doing as well. So like I have an amazing desk setup. I have like dual 4K monitors. I have all of that. It's great, right? I've started doing my outlines on my iPad with a keyboard. And the reason why is to reinforce that simplicity as well and also make it harder to actually like open a browser tab, reply to a chat, do all these, like these things are just like, it takes longer to do. As a result, it forces me to essentially dump everything and jump onto the next thing. So I, for certain tasks, I actually enjoy limiting the computing experience I have and having like just one thing on the screen and not be able to do anything else. It has actually improved my productivity quite a bit to be able to do these things. So, and that's kind of goes in the way of uh, the way Danalyst is built as well. So let's just go through the steps that we actually go through to create accounts, because not just like download the software and you're all sorted. Yeah, I, right? I just want to say as well, before we get in, this is our process for brainstorming content. And obviously it's a kind of creative thing. So maybe you might do it slightly differently or structure the way. It's absolutely okay. Just the fact that you have a process for brainstorming content will already put you ahead of 70, 80% of people out there who just start writing. And just start writing is a bad idea. Yeah, that's how you create shit content. Anyway, let's go through the steps. The first one is obviously finding your main topic. Usually you find it through queue research, competitive analysis. And we're not going to go through this in this episode. That's not really the point. We have a bunch of articles on finding queue research. We'll put them in the show notes, like finding keywords. And once you have your topic, that's essentially, I guess, like you put something about angles. Uh, I guess it, it's a good point. It's like, Sometimes there can be a topic and then you can find a specific angle. So like, I'm going to take keyword research because we just talked about it, but like there could be like keyword research and then you can be like, uh, uh, how to find keyword research using Webmasters Console or how to find keywords rather using Webmasters Console or like you can be like also for like certain professions, like, oh, how can dentists find keywords to get clients in their practice or something? So I guess you can find these kind of angles. 
So uh, it's just that a lot of the time when a content team or a writer is given a topic to write about, it's like, here's your keyword. And then they do just sort of like expect to start writing about that. But there's not too much communication about what does that actually mean? What is the, like, what are you trying to get into with this keyword? Are there different angles which you could consider? So yeah, what's the goal? But, you know, it's kind of getting into a little bit of the, analysis like we had that post around how to make money blogging a while back and like originally it was it was like one angle where it was like how other people made money and then it worked (laughs) really well initially and then like over the years the SERP for that changed a little bit in like meaning and angle a little bit so it's just like it's always worth being aware of like what is actually kind of ranking and like what are those people doing you usually like find that there's a specific way to approach a keyword or specific angle to approach it that is generally generally favorable if it's not and you know you have more sort of creative freedom then all i meant by get angle topics for other ideas, which is in our dining list, which is our creative process for brainstorming this podcast and the show notes that we do uh, every week, is that sometimes you can get kind of ideas from from other niches. Don't just like be restricted to looking at your keyword in, in, in your niche. Uh, but you know, the, the content templates we talk about and we, we use kind of helps with that process, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's funny like that you mentioned this uh this page on uh, how to make money blogging. I just like recontextualize for to explain what happened, and I think it's gonna give an idea of like how to like what not to do basically. So that page is to be essentially a summary of like income reports from a bunch of bloggers. So we like found at twenty or thirty bloggers that made money and had an income report on their blog. And essentially, what we did is we analyzed these reports and found how they make money blogging. Right. So I think we answered the query just in a bit of an original way. And we did really well, right? We were ranking uh, between one and three for how to make money blogging for like two years or something. I mean, we did really well with this. But uh, it's definitely not the case today. So if you Google it, you will not find us. I think we are at the bottom of page one again now. We actually, and I explained how we got there. And then essentially what happened, I mean, there's all these new layers of algorithm that Google has been raising, like Coragos, et cetera. But what has tended to happen globally is that Google is essentially figuring out one format that they like for a keyword. And if you don't follow that format, you're just obliterated. And if you follow it, you are rewarded with rankings. And so uh, and uh, more unique angles that you t- used to work in the past, like doing these roundups of income report, that did not match what uh, other people were doing. And actually, the funny thing is like um, Smart Blogger, I think, is ranking. And Amy Lynn Andrews are ranking at the top for these queries. And uh, And the funny part is... At the time, they were closer in intent for the keywords. Like they were kind of telling their stories of how they ranked. It's actually something I talk about in Chiang Mai, actually. They were closer. So they were like, oh, how I built, a, how I make money blogging and how I built my blog, et cetera, et cetera. And then over time, these people with like a really strong link metrics, et cetera, started rewriting to be more of a lease post format, basically. So it's like, like 25 ways to make money blogging, basically, something like that. And as these guys, these big guys, we changed the way the content was structured. That's when we started tanking. And so if you actually put their pages in archive.org, you will see that uh, our tanking goes together with their re-edition of their page, which is uh, pretty funny. And as we re-edited this page, I mean, we're not nearly where we used to be, but we're back usually like bottom of page one-ish for that query without doing anything else, without any more new links, without anything like that. Just like making a list of ways how to make money blogging. And honestly, I prefer the previous article 
But the thing is like Google rewards. But that's the thing. It's like I was talking to, with Matt Diggity about this. And um, I was really thinking that we might end up writing. We're getting completely off topic, by the way. Like this is how to not follow your notes for the podcast. But this, we were actually thinking of writing pieces of content that target, quote unquote, the same keywords. So like how to make money blogging, for example, where we would do something with this income report, which got a lot of links. I think it has like 80 or 90 linking domains. We barely did any link building for it. It was just because people liked it and thought the format was good. But Google is rewarding boring list posts, right? So I'm literally considering doing this twice, doing one that is interesting for people and one that Google rewards and just using your rel canonical from the one that people like to the one that Google ranks so that I can get the links from the great content and serving the community and get the rankings from whatever bullshit Google think is right to rank for that query, basically. So this is getting to that level. And all of that to illustrate the point that you should Google your queries and essentially understand the angle that people are taking to the query you found. Because if you get that wrong, everything you do after that point is not going to matter. So you should really start understanding which type of content format uh, people are using. And that's why in H4, we have all these uh, content formats like list posts and you know review, single review, alternative VS, et cetera, like all these things for affiliate queries and so on. And we essentially show you how to match the keyword with the type of content, basically, because it's really important. And if you don't do that, you will not do well in Google, regardless of how talented you are at creating content. So that is step one, have your topic, right? Step two is starting to list all the subtopics that are related to that topic. So for example, let's just stay with keyword research because we started with that. What are topics of uh, subtopics of keyword research. Well, there will be keyword research tools in there. There will be seed keywords. There will be long tail keywords. There will be a search volume. There will be a seasonality. There will be a keyword difficulty. There will be, you know, all these subtopics. The point of this stage is that your only goal is just to list out the main topics that's going to be within the, the context of the, the, the topic. So the main subtopics, yeah. But the thing is, like when when your only goal is just to write those out, this is an easy task. It's very it doesn't take too long. Uh, your mind doesn't have to sort of think about, oh, well, what exactly am I going to say there? Which images I'm going to use? Like how am I going to put it all together with structure? You figure all that stuff out later. It just becomes much simpler if you're just focusing on listing out all these topics. Uh, and you know, when we talk about like brainstorming content and all that, it's it's just really having a simple. A simple step-by-step process to get like turn your idea into a reality and like oh it's as a as a better approach than just just starting writing. So it, it might sound super simplistic to say oh just start listing all the subtopics, but it works. The best people who are writing content do this like religiously. Yeah, I mean another thing as well is like to link with the previous point is that to list the subtopics you should first by doing a brain dump. Because when you do a brain dump, I mean, provided you know something about the niche, because if you do a brain dump, you might come up with uh, things that uh, are not very well covered by the competition and give yourself a competitive advantage. What you need to make sure of is that you cover all the points that they cover. But if you add some stuff on top, it, usually you do fine, right? But once you have done that kind of brain dump, that dry brain dump, basically, when you don't allow yourself any kind of external resource, 
and you you know you try to put all your ideas then after that you're allowed to open a browser and then you open a browser and then that's when you go back to looking at the top ranking pages usually at their, at their subheadings so there's two ways of doing that one open their pages it's it's always a good idea to open their pages regardless of the tools you get but actually software seo will also give you the heading tags the h2s and h3s i think so if you put an analysis of a keyword there's like this kind of like headings button you click on it for all the ranking pages it's going to show you all the subheadings, which are usually the subtopics that people cover. So usually I try to really like go through the top 10 and pick all the subtopics. Even if they overlap, et cetera, I don't really filter anything. I just dump everything. So I just put it all together. I usually I can have a list with like 50, 60, 70 bullet points. At the end of this step, it's messy, it's not structured, and it's okay because that is the next step, actually, which is essentially taking all these things and uh, merging the stuff that's the same, splitting stuff when you think it doesn't go together, and starting to essentially build a coherent structure so things flow in a nice way. You will see that a lot of things will be redundant, etc. basically. Where the previous step was literally just like a brainstorm and like collecting ideas without any kind of, it could like, it could be totally messy. This stage is where we actually try and apply some order and we're we're then starting to think about what that might look like in an actual article so you know if you're doing seven ways how to do x and then you need seven topics then you know you might think about here merging a couple together and kind of regrouping them in a slightly different format which is super easy to do if you've done all this in in dynalist and that's i think one of the real power one thing I like to do as well with this step is um, start to think a little bit about secondary keywords for the article. So these often, when you order these, etc., they they will end up being your H2s. And so you know, again, if we take this keyword research, let's say I wanted to rank for keyword research, I don't want to, but let's imagine I want to, and then maybe a subtopic would be like long tail keywords. And then I will start like I will start kind of like looking at these and be like, okay, is this a keyword? How can I formulate that so that it can match some search queries so I can get more traffic to my article, etc. Start just thinking about that. It doesn't mean again that you will do that. I don't I think long tail keywords should be its own page and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But you will start like yeah you should definitely like have a trip to the Ahrefs Keyword Explorer and kind of like look up all these subtopics and kind of like see the way people type them in Google so that uh, you might pick up more search traffic basically and integrate them in there. Um, so that anything you want to say on um, ordering the first ordering of subtopics basically? Just doing, well, actually, yeah, there is because just doing it once is like, uh, it, it doesn't always have to be the final thing. Uh, and many times when I'm creating content, um, I will do it this way first and then end up like tweaking things even as like later down the line, like when I'm actually writing. So, you know, don't spend forever in a day trying to get this absolutely perfectly. You can kind of move through it um, with a bit of pace. So that's basically this step. Again, this is not going to be your, the final form of your content, basically. It's just going to be like a bit more ordered. Usually I like to move them around as well so that it's a bit more ordered. So for example, I'm actually doing that for my Chiang Mai SEO talk right now. And I'm kind of like starting with like keyword research and then going through like content creation, link building, then monetization, because it's kind of like the flow people go through when they build websites. And so like that's that's kind of like a logic I've picked for that. Again, looking at your competitors for this kind of stuff, obviously not for talks, but for content, for blog posts, etc., is a good idea. But sometimes, but very often, like people suck at this stuff. So feel free to be a little bit original. If you hit most subtopics, usually you'll be fine with Google. They don't really penalize you for not being in the same order yet. 
<laughs> let's see if that changes one day. But so far, so good. So the next step is a bit like of a like we're kind of like as we're getting further into that process. Now it was very clear and very defined, but now we're getting more and more into murky waters where you have a lot of like choices and stuff is going to branch out, etc. And it's also something that very few people do, but it's usually what separates okay content from great content. Most people will do the subtopics, right? But the problem is that they will just do like one bullet point per subtopic, long tail keywords, keyword, keyword tools, keyword difficulty, et cetera, and then they'd be starting to write. And again, I think this is not enough research. Most of my data analysts for like, a like let's say a blog post on Atari Hacker, it's often like 100 to 200 bullet points, right? And why? Because I expand the subtopics and that's the next step. Expanding the subtopics, doing some research, actually Googling, First of all, again, do a dry, a dry dump of ideas for each subtopic. So if it was like long tail keywords, I'd be like low traffic per query, but overall a lot of traffic, kind of like, you know, that line of uh, long tail keywords that everyone's seen before. I'd also be like low competition, high buyer, high buying intent, easy when you are low authority. Like I just put a bunch of these kind of like sub ideas around long tail keywords. And I do that for every subtopic. And once I've done my dry brainstorm, then I will start Googling like what people say on long tail keywords and start like adding the stuff that I would have forgotten or whatever. However, this is also the time when you need to start deciding what are the limits of your current article. Like, how far do you want to go? Because it's very easy when you go that way to end up expanding forever, right? So, so let's say, like, in, sub, in um, let's say, long-tail keywords, there is, like, high buying intent. And then, <laughs> then I start researching high buying intent and I find something else, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you often end up with, like, 10K words mess of stuff that are pretty much impossible to read in the end. So it's very important to start determining that. And to be honest, it is a mistake we have still done this year. Like, there's several blog posts I have not pushed on Authority Hacker because of that. It does help you to understand, like Dynalist does help you to understand when that's going to happen. Because if you start seeing, you know, one section has 70 bullet points below or something, then you can kind of read into that. That's going to be like potentially problematic. Yeah. So it's something that like you, you need to start being like, you know what, like there's enough here to make a whole article on this. Like, why don't I make a short blurb on that in my article and kind of like limit because you usually don't want to write, like I would say, like two to three thousand words on the page. It's maximum. I, I know some people go like ten thousand words, etc. Unless you're like in extremely competitive queries, usually like it's enough two to three thousand words. Again, depends on what's ranking, etc. But like you don't want you don't want to go that way. And it's like it's it's better to almost build a hub of content. And that's why also we tend to brainstorm our content in hubs, right? So it's not like we do that for one. And very often I just take like one sub part of my data list and just essentially make it its own project, its own piece of content, and then just like expand that and then all the two pieces of content, three, four, five, et cetera. So just from like one main idea. So you've, you're going to have to do that. That will take some more keyword research. That will take also to look at, again, I was ranking because usually what you want is you want to take the two queries. So let's say you have long tail keywords and keyword research, is it the same pages ranking for both queries or is it different pages? If it's different pages, then you probably want to make separate pages and start, uh, like, you know, mention long tail keywords in your keyword research article, but just link out to another page on your site. That's, that's the clean way of doing it. I was just going to say, like, you can see how if you, if you tried to plan the whole 
kind of like category of, of content without doing any of this research, it would be very difficult because you wouldn't have uncovered a lot of these like different variations or different approaches or different kind of like subcategories of keywords. Also, if you, if you did at the other end of the spectrum where you, you tried to plan it out or you didn't plan it out, you just started writing half the time you'd end up writing stuff and it would be in the wrong place and the flow will be all messed up and it would just be a huge, huge waste of time. So you kind of need to like have that balance of the two. And that's why I think doing it at this stage and in the brainstorming is, is, is best. Yeah, usually you end up brainstorming entire piece of, but like it, it all makes sense and your internal linking is so clean when you do it that way because essentially you've been brainstorming the concepts together with the pages that you're going to break it into. And so that's giving you like such a clean way of building a nice site structure. Like if you start with keyword research, then you probably will expand to like 20, 30 pages, but you can make a super clean suit like with Dynalist, et cetera, and like the, the tree-like thing, it's amazing. Like I've done that for several hubs this year and it's been good. It's like not all of it has been finished publishing. It's kind of funny as well because usually usually the way it works when you build these things. So let's say, again, I'm going to keep with my keyword research example. We are not building it, but it's an example that everyone's going to understand in this, key, in this podcast. Let's say you're brainstorming keyword research. Then you will have all these subtopics like keyword research tool, long-tail keywords, keyword difficulty, da, 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 et cetera, seasonality, et cetera. But if you actually want to build your hub properly, you will need to publish the pieces of support content first. Because when you build, like, let's say, your main page on like quote-unquote keyword research that's targeting that head term, you want to have all these subpages to link out to. So you... But the the problem is you need to have a good follow-up when you follow that method because you will end up maybe brainstorming 10, 15 pages. And then you essentially, before before the hub takes place, you need to literally just finish all the pages so that the final page that you put in place links out to all these other ones and has that perfect internal linking structure, which is like so powerful and helps you rank so well in Google. So it's something that will require a little bit of discipline and a bit of follow through because it's very easy to like get started on something, not finish it. And then you will get punished massively for doing this with that way of brainstorming content, basically. The next part of this, like now you have like, basically you have like the stuff your articles should talk about. But there is a next step that I like to call power ups. So if you're creating like a quote unquote shitty affiliate site, you will never do that. But if you, want, if you want your site to stand out, this is the kind of stuff that you want to do. essentially work on things that will make your content stand out. That's the point. Like you could write now and you can go and write with this and you can write okay content. If you've done good research, et cetera, you're going to quote other people's research, other people's stuff, et cetera. But usually when you create content, you get highly, highly, highly rewarded for creating something unique, original, and bringing kind of like your stone to the... How, is there an expression like that in English? Like there's, there's an expression like that in French. Where it's like, oh, you build your, you bring your stone to the house or something. Like you add your stone to the house I or something. I don't think so, no. I, I kind of get where you're coming from with this, but... I am, I am extending the English language today. <laughs> so that is this quote-unquote power-up. Thing. So that can be like custom illustration, illustrating your concept in a way that nobody has ever done it. It can give some identity to your site as well. Doing videos, uh, getting quotes from people and experts. This is really powerful because as you're working on this stuff, if you're willing to wait before you publish and you include, let's say, I don't know, like I'm, I'm going to take an example that will outrage a lot of people, but let's say I go to uh, Ren Fishkin and I ask him for a quote in an upcoming article based on something he tweeted or talked about or something like this. And when the article is published, 
I tell him, hey, like the article is live with your code, then he will start sharing it and promoting it. So you can kind of like build promotion in there. But at the same time, when people say a quote of Renfish in my article, they will take it a little bit more seriously than they might have if it wasn't there. So this kind of stuff is quite powerful. Experiments and real life tests. I mean, you're in the ASO industry, when someone does an original test, get some original data, I'm sure you pay a lot more attention to it. We have done that in other niches. We've done that in affiliate niches where we created our own data, got hands-on in the product and you know, made sure that we maybe like disrupt the way people think about the products, that kind of stuff that has had a lot of success. Things like content upgrades as well, like, you know, like opt-ins, like you essentially make a lead magnet for your post, that kind of stuff. And that is, you know, the kind of power-ups you can work on that will take your content from good to great, basically. that's You don't have to do them, but if you want to make a real impact with it, it's highly recommended. For the DMSS talk I'm working on at the moment, uh, I guess it kind of falls under custom illustrations, but there's a lot of these, like, let's call them like presentation images, like funny, silly memes and like, you know, that all that kind of stuff. Not necessarily you're ordering it from a designer, but like finding and taking someone else's image basically for that. So, you know, I've been working a lot on that at the moment. Got this one of like the guy, you know, even there's like digging towards the gold and then the top guy's giving up and the other guy's like keeps going because the top guy was like two centimeters away from reaching it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that came to my mind, but... (laughs) I've seen a statistic that it's in 38% of marketing presentations, this illustration. Uh, <laughs> and then there's like a, um, a face that I wrote on the notes. I wrote Polish, Polish, that's, Polish. That's like Polish, not Polish the country, not right? Just when you pronounced it, it kind of sounded like Polish, Polish, Polish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but basically... And I know you know what I'm talking about, but it's very hard to describe what it is. It's kind of like when you obsess over your piece of content to like try to find these little things that make it better. It's a 2080. Yeah, it's like you make it 20% better for with 80% more time. But the thing is, with content, it's not a complete waste of time, I believe, because the outliers get an outsized return on the content they produce, right? It's like, it's not a linear progression, right? If you make your content 20% better, you don't get 20% more attention, you get 300% more attention because you're really standing out and, and it tends to work that way. And that's why, that's why in the world of content creation, I mean, if you look at YouTubers, for example, right? The YouTubers that put a little bit more effort into their videos tend to get way more views than the people that just like snap a video on their phone and upload it on YouTube, you know? And so, it's not something that I would recommend to do on every part of your business, because in many cases, when returns are linear, it makes absolutely no sense to spend four times more time to do 20% better. But for content, it's not a stupid idea, depending on what your strategy is, right? If you're, again, if your goal is to create a shitty affiliate site, don't bother. So that's maybe like not the best language to use for this kind of situation. like Because there is a valid business model in like, starting and growing a lot of you know let's call it zero to 100k or 150k type affiliate sites and like getting them off the ground getting there and like as a business model like you know the portfolio approach or the mass portfolio approach rather there's validity to it but you just have to be very clear about what your business is and the what is the the one thing that you should really be doing and and for most or for many authority sites uh, and certainly in the first few years that is content you need to acquire traffic you need to to grow your audience you need to uh, and like content will be the kind of pillar of that um so 
in that case, when it's kind of the center of everything, it, it is the most important thing essentially on your site. And it is the thing you should be putting maximum energy and not 80-20-ing. Uh, everything else that's kind of in the periphery, you know, your site speed or whatever else, you can 80-20 it um, at that stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of funny. Like with content, I kind of have a theory, right? Where you need to go one way or the other. And if you're in the middle, you lose. So it's like, Either you go, again, when I say shitty affiliate sites, I don't mean that the business is a bad idea and that you're a terrible person. I just mean the site itself is not a site I would personally enjoy using. But the business might be a good idea. It's like, I don't like McDonald's burgers, but it's still a great business, you know? So it's like completely, completely detached from like personal feelings or anything. Yeah, so you need to be on one end or the other of the spectrum. So like these last two things, the power-ups and the Polish, 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 or however you say it, it's like it's something that you do if you are actually trying to get on the super high end on the spectrum on creating content that will get noticed that you can do real marketing around that you can use to show like companies and build like partnerships over and that kind of stuff. If you are the kind of person that's just trying to like scale up your traffic, you don't really care if people remember you, you just want people to click on your affiliate links and buy stuff, which is a legitimate business strategy. But don't do any of that. Like focus on volume of content. Do the first steps that we mentioned and ignore the rest and focus on volume and essentially being profitable. Like I guess because your content is less good, you need to put more effort into acquiring links. So focus on that and focus on uh, getting okay content for the cheapest price possible, these kind of things. This is what will actually move your, your business forward. But for the people who actually want to go for the higher end, then yeah, it's like, it's, it's, how would you describe this kind of like pollution phase? It's like wow factor. You mean describe like how to do it or like what it is? I think you you alluded to something that's like earlier. Would you look at a piece of content and be like, oh my God, I, I can't wait to read this? If the answer is no, you haven't polished, polished, polished enough, polished, polished, polished enough. Generally, it can be a mix of things. It can be the just general vibe, the feel. So is the layout good? Is the spacing? Is the font okay? What kind of imagery have you used? What's the initial impact and impression you're giving? It's very important. Intro is huge. This is why I harp on about this. This is why I harp on about the intro so much in all of our courses, because it's the easiest way to, to look and see whether someone is just kind of like really putting effort. And it's like that rock band, I forget who it was, but they, they had this thing where they would have a whole list of things they wanted, you know, give us champagne in our dressing room and all this. And one of the things was give us a bowl of only green M&Ms. So nothing else, just green M&Ms. And the first thing they would do when they came in was they would look for this bowl of green M&Ms and they would see if it was there, great. If it was not there, and a lot of people thought they were just being kind of like douchebag rock stars, but actually it was a safety thing. If it was not there, they thought, well, they hadn't read this properly. Maybe they haven't read the other safety stuff. So they, then they would have their team go around and recheck all this rigging equipment around the venue and make sure that everything was safe. So the, the same thing is true for me with intros. So if I read the intro of an article and it's been like fluffed, I can 
more or less presumed like 95% of the time, the rest of the article will be uh, just kind of average or, or not so good. But if they have a really good intro that makes me kind of want to keep reading, then generally that's indicative of, of someone who's put a lot of effort into every other part of their, their content. And this translates into reality as well. People have super short attention spans these days. If the first sentence of the first paragraph isn't giving them like warm, funny, fuzzy feelings, then they're not going to read your article. So that's that's kind of why it's so important. But this continues throughout the rest of the article because if you have a great intro, then it's just like a wall of text and nothing else there. There are headlines as well. I find that the, very often autos make really shitty like H2s and H3s. And honestly, it's terrible. And honestly, it just makes the article so much. Like just rewriting the headlines can drastically change an article. And so like obsessing over these little things is essentially what this publishing phase is about, basically, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's more kind of, you just have to want it. You just have to want to make it better and make and be not just like, let's produce a thousand word article because Gail and Mark said so in their course, but like, how can I actually make this good? How can I add a bit of wow to this? And the people that are able to understand that wow factor are the people who do really really well versus the people who listen to the things which we say like oh you know make a good intro or you know add custom illustrations and they think that it's because they're adding the custom illustrations that it's it's making something good but it'll be shitty custom illustrations they focus on the tactic and they ignore the strategy yeah, yeah. basically so that, that's kind of the, the polish is the the higher level strategic wow let's let's call it that Okay, but you agree, like the people who focus on this stuff and get it tend to do really well, really fast. And it's something that you should focus on, actually. This was basically the last step that we wanted to outline. The main tool is Dynos.io. We've mentioned that. Now, the question is like, why does this work and why no Google Docs? Like, why? Because you have a process. If you just started writing in Google Docs, or even if you added a few notes here and there in Google Docs, as you said before, you get distracted by stuff. You end up not making your list of subtopics and you end up fleshing out a whole subtopic or sub area before you start making your list. And then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have done this. I sh this should be combined with this other subtopic. And then you have to rewrite it, but you don't want to rewrite it because you feel like you made progress. And then it's like, you know, you end up just putting out shit because you don't want to rewrite it. And it's just generally kind of messy. I mean, if you, if you want to be bringing bringing stones to the house was it then you, you gotta bring your a game for something like this and having a simple process i mean just a few steps here will allow you or force you even to kind of go through this and, and output better content i think as well the fact that you're breaking down the brainstorming into these sub sections or like uh, sub processes mean that you just have to focus on that one thing so it feels like it's easier to start. Often, if you load up Google Docs and you know you put in your your title or something, and you're like, okay, this is like a big step. It's a lot of work to get this out, and you you know you need a lot of energy. If it's the end of the day, maybe you can't be bothered, or you start procrastinating and you you don't want to do it because there's like it's like this big project you have to do. But just breaking it down into simple steps makes it so much more manageable and so much easier to get started and to ultimately make progress. All right. Well, we are going to be closing this podcast, guys. Thank you for tuning in. As a reminder, Atari Hacker Pro is closing tonight. It's not coming back until sometime next year. 
maybe. Uh, it took us two years last time. No, I think it's going to come back next year at some point. You can go and check it out in on autorihacker.com slash pro. We also have a massive call to action on the homepage. If you are too lazy to slash, type the slash pro, you will find it if you go on the website. I am not worried about that. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Drop us a review if you loved it. And we will see you in the next episode. Have a good week. Bye.